How many are glad for the goodness in life? We are uh, finishing up the, uh, we started a series a while back on a small one on passing it on. We'll finish it today. If you remember, just to kind of review, we've done seven, this will be the eighth and last one. The first one we did, if you remember, was listen carefully, because if we don't listen carefully, we will often miss what's being said, misunderstand. Uh, any of you ever misunderstood anybody? Any of you ever uh, misquoted somebody and had to eat some humble pie? Uh, it's very easy to uh, not hear something correctly and come to the wrong conclusion. And that's why we need to, uh, in the book of Proverbs, talk about listening carefully, but also how to decipher uh, what is really um, coming from the Lord and what is not. The second one we looked at was wisdom and life, talking about chapter 2, 3, and 4. In chapter 2, it uh, the Word of God will protect your life. Chapter 3, it will direct. That's why you have 3, 5, and 6, and you know, trust the Lord with all your heart. And then in chapter uh, 4, it talks about it will perfect your life. It talks about, in verse 18, it's like the sunrise. You'll start seeing uh, some early in the morning. But as you learn more and more of the Word of God, it gets brighter and brighter throughout the day, and you'll understand it better. And so that's what the Word of God will do for you. The third one was that on communication. We have uh, bad communication and good, and bad, obviously, talking about flattery of words, or you'll have double-meaning words, and you have uh, non-communication uh, that's going on, non-verbal communication, and uh, certain people know what it is, but you can be deceiving people. Uh, but also then on good communication and just speaking your uh, yes be yes, your no be no, and coming out of the book of Proverbs. We also looked at friendship, uh, how to ruin a friendship. It's in the book of Proverbs. We've all had experiences with that. How to select a good friend, and then how to be a good friend. And I think we need all those. Work and wealth. Uh, Proverbs talks a lot about uh, a thief, uh, not to steal, but also a slugger who won't work. But then also, then we do need to take care of the poor. And how to get in the New Testament, likewise talks about who is really poor and who's the one that we are, should be supporting. And then also just the value of a hard work in the book of Proverbs. Uh, it gets in First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, if you don't work, you don't eat. So it's an Old Testament as well as New Testament. Uh, the uh, sixth one, you remember we talked about the Word of God, the reliability of the Word of God. But then also just the capability of the Word of God. We saw that out of Psalms 119. It'll cover everything, we may not know where to find it, but that doesn't mean the Word of God doesn't cover it, but we looked at it. A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, we looked at planning your future, and it's very clear in the book of Proverbs on planning the future, but then what we have to have is who's the pilot? Uh, I often kind of laugh at the ones who drive around car uh, and have a little deal in the car that says, God's my co-pilot. If God's your co-pilot, the Norman, who's the pilot? <laughs> then you're the pilot, and the only time a co-pilot does something is when? <laughs> I think that's the trouble. I think that's probably a more accurate bumper sticker for most of us. We should be the passenger, and God's the pilot, and we trust Him, and we just get in the seat, and we let Him take us where He desires to take us. Today I'd like to conclude it, the Passing On series, and the, primarily we're getting us all out of the book of Proverbs, we will again today, but I'd like to look at four uh, pitfalls 
to recognize and avoid, and I think they're very prevalent in today's society. And uh, the first one is that of greed. Do we have any problem with greed in our country? Or in, in, do Christians have any problem with greed? Interesting, this article came out 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago, 1994. The Money Magazine made this statement when they were interviewing people, a large number of people. 24% said they would not correct a waiter who undercharged them. One out of four. That'd be more than that, I'm sure, today, but it's interesting. Almost 10% would, not, would keep the money. If they found a wallet, they would keep the money before returning the wallet. What percent was that again, Dan? Actually, it was 9% then, but I think it's much greater today. I was say 30 years later. This was one. 23%, this is 1994, 23% were willing to commit a crime to get $10 million if they knew they wouldn't get caught. One out of four. And uh, it's interesting. I saw one uh, a few years ago, and they asked athletes, and they said, would you take an illegal drug? He knew you'd win a gold medal, but it was going to kill you in the next 10 years. And if more than half said they would. Why? Just for the pride of it, obviously. And obviously, too, who gets the endorsements? Who gets to do the advertisements? Does a bronze medal winner get an advertisement? But a gold medal winner does. So greed is really a, a, you know, a part that we have, and it's very, very prevalent t- today in our society. Uh, you can see it a lot in all your different sports. Let's just kind of look in chapter 13. We'll start there. And we'll look at some of the things it talks about with greed in the book of Proverbs. It's pitfalls to avoid. Notice in verse 23 of Proverbs 13, Abundant food is for the fellow ground, is in the fellow ground of the poor, but is swept away by the injustice. So what he has about the poor person is sowing it, has the land, he sows it, but the wealthy can often use the court system to do what? To take away what's not rightfully theirs, greed. So I think what I have here is living for the dot and not for the line. Because if you steal and you take those things from the poor that's rightfully there, you're going to have to give an account for it one day. But do you think about that? The person is thinking about today. What do I get today? I remember reading an article by John uh, uh, Rockefeller. They said, "When are you going to have? When we have made enough money?" He was like, "Not till I make another dollar." Well, he had more money that he could never spend in five lifetimes, but it wasn't enough. He wanted more. He wanted more. So I think living for the dot, not for the line. Look over in chapter fourteen. What about in verse? 31. Talking about greed. He oppresses the poor and reproaches his maker, but he was gracious to the needy, ponders him. So not only living for the dot, not the line, but it also reveals your relationship to the Lord. My greed reveals what kind of relationship I have with the Lord. Who's the one that gave it to me? Who's the one that owns everything? Could he take it from me tomorrow? He could cause medical issues. He could cause anything to happen in the economy. And what you have today, you can be gone tomorrow. And notice then, when you are opposing and not doing what you should with your resources, you're opposing the Lord. 
Look over in uh, chapter 19. So, greed shows you're living for today and not for the eternity. You're shows your relationship to God. Chapter 19. Notice in verse 17. He who is gracious to the poor lends to the Lord. He will repay him for his good deed. Notice, does it tell you when you're going to be repaid? Does it tell you how you're going to be repaid? I think it's important when it talks about it, the Lord will repay us. Do you ever think about maybe it's your health? Maybe He gave you health. Maybe He gave you health of your children. Maybe all kinds of things. We never think about those are possibilities. Only thing we think of is if we don't see it in material things right now, then they're getting away with things. But if you notice it says when you're talking about greed, you're living for the dot and not the line. You're also, it reveals your relationship to God. Look over in chapter 21, the book of Proverbs. Talks so much about it. In fact, most people when they go off to college, what's their number one reason for choosing a major? Money. And how many people are happy in the job with which they select? I think it's important to think about that. 21 and verse 13 makes this statement. He who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. You reap what you sow. When you are in need and are people, you have the ability to help people and you won't ever help them, there will come a time when you're going to need it and there won't be anybody there to help you. You can be a Scrooge, and you can be a Scrooge, but there will come a time when you're going to need help, and people won't be there. And so you're going to reap what you sow when it comes to the greedy part. Uh, and it's interesting, uh, the people, who do uh, people like to be around? Uh, I think it's important. And, and uh, you know, we want to earn what we have, we want to earn what we, you know, those kind of things. But at the same time, God gives us things in order to help other people. So you look at it, you're living for the dot, not the line. You're living for self, not others. You know, you think about it in Mark chapter 10. Remember they had the big debate about who's the greatest? What did Jesus say? The greatest among you is he who what? Serves. Serves. In fact, he said, I came to do what? To serve and give my life a ransom for many. So if I want to be like Christ, I have to be a servant. And that's going to greatly affect your greed aspect. So I think it's important. Look over, I think, in one that's really interesting. Uh, look over in uh, chapter 28. Notice in verse 8. He who increases his wealth by interest in Usury gathers for him who is gracious to the poor. Okay, in the book of Proverbs, according to the Old Testament, according to Exodus, as well as Leviticus, Exodus 22-25, could Jewish people loan money to other Jewish people with interest? No. no. Okay, they were forbidden. They could do it to a foreigner, but not to their own. Mm-hmm. Notice here... They're talking about your lending to someone with interest. And that was practiced by the Jews, even though they were told, commanded not to. 
they're told to loan it to them, and that's why you had the year of Jubilee and so on. And if they owed more when that time came, you forgave the debt so that you wouldn't have a slavery type of uh, society. But I think it's interesting. It reveals the person's relationship to the Word of God. The Word of God said don't do it, but the law said, or, but the society said what? You can do it. Uh, and so I think it's interesting that you have, so greed reveals you're living for the lion and not the dot. Excuse me, the dot, not the lion, for today, not eternity. You're living for yourself, not the others. It reveals your relationship to God. It reveals your relationship to the Word of God as well. And I think you're going to reap what you sow. And if you remember in Luke 12 and verse 21, you remember the rich man that had all this wealth beyond what he needed. And he's going to go build more barns. And what did it, it said? You, you remember Jesus making a statement, you fool today, tonight, you're going to die. And then what does it say? He was not rich, verse 21, towards God. How would you define rich towards God? That's an important question. If we're told to be rich toward God, but if we don't know what it means, what's the chances of getting there? Let me give you an example. I uh, met the man one time. My parents know, know I need one or living today. They were brothers. They lived in a hometown, Orange City, Iowa. One of them was quite wealthy in, in the society, held up quite high. His brother would go around, and any widow that needed a yard mowed, he would go mow the yard. Indeed, a guy needed to be shaved. He would go shave, you know, shave for him and do that kind of stuff. Go all around visiting all the widows, taking care of the yard, everything. No charge did at all. Now, which one do you think is rich toward God? In society, which one do you think was held in high regard? But when they got to heaven and met their maker, which one probably was held in high regard? And so I think it's important, one, People couldn't pay. But he was going out there helping widows everywhere he went. He had a great disposition. Uh, in fact, when I went to hometown and took Gene, he then took us all over and showed us all the history of the hometown free, which obviously I didn't know because I hadn't been there and Gene had never been there. But again, which one is rich toward God? And so I think it's an important question to ask ourselves. And then... How do you explain it to a stranger? If people ask, why are you doing what you're doing? Well, I'm wanting to be rich toward God. How can you explain it? Because when you truly understand something, you can what? You can explain it to others. And that's why when we get all these complicated things, try to think about how to explain it to your grandchild or whatever, child or whatever. When you can explain it to them, now you really understand it. So notice one of the pitfalls is that of greed, and obviously you see an awful lot of it, uh, of greed in our country and in our uh, churches. A second one, uh, which is often called the, the main one, is pride. Uh, does pride have any problem with any Christians today? Does pride have any problem with any of us? And so I think it's interesting when you look at it. Let's go back to Proverbs. Let's look at that. Chapter 15. It starts in 3, but we'll look at starting in 15. Proverbs 15. Notice in verse 25. 
15.25 The Lord will tear down the house of the proud, but He will establish the boundaries of the widow. Obviously, a widow, the rights, when they didn't have the rights in the society, and God would then be the one to protect and help. And you see that when the book of Ruth as well with the boundaries. But if you, uh, in chapter 3 and verse 34, it's there, and then you get it in James chapter 4 and verse 6, which is quoting Proverbs 3. God resists what? And gives grace to the... So when you are in pride, you're in direct opposition to God. What got Satan in pride? What caused the fall in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28? I will be like the Most High. Pride gets us in trouble all the time. Why do we have such a hard time of admitting a lot of things? It's pride. Notice, I think, something else about uh, looking at pride, direct opposition to God. Look over in chapter 16. What about verse 18? Pride goes before destruction and haughty spirit before stumbling. You have the same thing if you go to chapter 18 and notice in verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. I think one thing with pride, we need to ponder our destiny. You know? You enter this world with what? And you leave this world with we need to ponder our destiny. And who's the one that gave us the abilities? Who's what allowed us to live in this country with this ability or with that brain or whatever it might be? I think it's important that we take so much credit when it's beyond our control. Uh, ponder the uh, the destiny. The uh, look over in chapter 21 and verse 24. Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names, who acts with insolent pride. Pride revealed itself in a lot of different ways. You can reveal it, and you can do it at you know, work, you can be anywhere you can. Uh, it's interesting, Gene will come home, and uh, there's a lot of, uh, obviously, delivering mail, they have a lot of subs. And one of the things a lot of the subs like do, if you're a sub there, you get paid by the, the route. So if the route says it's supposed to take you four hours or eight hours, if you get it done in four, you get paid for eight, and you get back to the office, you either get to go home or you get sent out another route. If you get done fast enough, you can get paid for 16 hours and work eight. So what do you think the motive is to work real fast? Well, then how fast do you think you might break some laws as you're running from mailbox to mailbox? Gina come in and say, man, your sub was going through here doing 100 miles an hour. You know, they won't go that fast, but uh, uh, they will definitely be breaking speed limit. But how often do they miss throw mail? Coming behind to get a lot of it. But what happens is they come to the office, and I got the route done faster than anybody did. I got it back by 12 o'clock. So what do you think happens with the boss? What's taking you so long? Brian did it in 12. Why did it take you to get here back until 1? And start using it, and a lot of that goes on. 
why you have accidents and misthrowing mail. You can do the same thing when it comes to working on anything. How fast can you get something done? Because it makes you look good in pride. And that can happen for a believer, non believer, or love. But pride. What I really like, and I'll give you an example of this here in a minute. Look over in chapter 25. We'll go to verse uh, 27 first, and then we'll go back to 15. Notice 25-27. It's not good to eat much honey, nor is it the glory to search out one's own glory. Okay, how many times do people search out their own glory? What happens if you eat too much honey? You'll get sick. Look over then and go back to verse 15. That the uh, 25, uh, 15, or actually 16. Have you found honey? Eat only what you need, lest you have it in excess and vomit it. So notice you can uh, think and happen. The pastor, uh, Shalom, who was in his 90s when he passed away, he's a phenomenal evangelist out of Aberdeen, uh, South Dakota, and seen different films about him and so on. Just an amazing man, Billy Graham, had him on his staff, one of the best evangelists he said he ever had working for him. Uh, but he made this statement because of all the praise that came his way or anything else. And his statement was, taste it, but don't swallow it. And I think that's a pretty good statement. Taste it, but don't swallow it. And how many people swallow it and they think they're God's gift to humanity? And how often does it happen with sports? When you see people are incredibly gifted, get away with so many things because people are afraid of losing them or taste it but don't swallow it. So you think about it, you know, in Romans 12 and verse 3, it says, don't think too highly of yourself or too lowly. And then it talks about spiritual gifts. If somebody thinks too lowly of themselves, how well do they work on the team? They don't think they have a place. They don't know anything. If they think they're the God's gift to humanity, how well does that work? You know? I'll never forget watching one in which a quarterback thought he was really something. And the lineman got so tired of them getting all the praise. So for an entire quarter or more, they refused to block. They hiked the ball and just let the defense go and just creaming. I mean, he was getting killed every time. Hey, you're so good, you know, why aren't you, you know? You need those big guys up front. If you don't, you don't look very good. And I think it's important when it comes to pride. Does pride have a place on a team? You don't, What's the center letter of pride? I. And how many eyes do you have in the team? None. That was what's amazing when you look at Penn State from years and years ago. You know, their coach refused to allow them to have their name put on their uniform. He didn't want the recognition. I just, you're just a number and a player. No one is to be singled out more than somebody else. Kind of interesting. But I think about it do I seek praise? Do I swallow it? Pride, I think, is uh, what keeps so many of us from admitting when we're wrong. Right? Pride is, you know, it's everywhere, and it's in all of us, so we have to be fighting constantly. It's in all of us. Let's give you another one. So besides greed, you also have pride. 
Look over in chapter 13. Another pitfall that's Notice in verse 7. There is one who pretends to be rich but has nothing. Another pretends to be poor but has great wealth. One a pitfall is an illusion. How many people are pretending to be one thing when they're not? Is illusion a problem? I think we can always speak of a false front. Have you ever been have you ever been to a movie set? I've been to some of them when I'm in Colorado and different places where they had different westerns. You go to a movie set, and what do you find? You go down Main Street of a movie set, and what happens? It's just the front of the buildings. You go on the door, and there's nothing back there. It's just propped up with you know, two-by-fours. You open the door, and there's nothing back there. How many of us, is there just an illusion? There's nothing there, good or bad. Do you remember Russell Crowe paid in the, uh, I forgot the name of the uh, Cinderella Man or whatever, remember he was the boxer, based on that true story. And he goes to visit the person who was setting up this big fight he was going to have. And he walks into this penthouse, and there's not a piece of furniture. It's during the Depression. And he walks in, and there's nothing to sit on, nothing, just beautiful place. And the person said, well, it's just for appearances. All his money went to get this place. He had nothing inside of it with which to furnish it. You know, I worked for some that were that way. They wrote me hot checks every, you know, more than once. The outside of their house was one thing, but the inside and everything else was nothing. It was bad. But the, Ameri- the neighborhood, the neighbors thought it was one thing, but they had nothing. And I think it can happen to all of us. An illusion, we can really appear, but we're afraid of somebody to really know the truth. We have the illusion. And so I think it's important for us to recognize the part about greed, the part about pride, but illusion too. You know, Paul, it talks about don't have that mask, don't be the fake. The last one I think is real prevalent in our society today is that of disrespect. Would you agree with that? Disrespect, you find it throughout the book of Proverbs. So I'll just give you one. In Proverbs chapter 19. It's throughout Proverbs, quite a bit in Proverbs, actually. In verse 26, He who assaults his father and drives his mother away is a shameful and disgraceful son. You can have disrespect for parents. And if you've been around, uh, uh, you go to any uh, school functions today or anywhere else or a grocery store anywhere, there is a great disrespect for parents and for older people. When I was growing up, boy, you didn't say anything like you wouldn't say anything to an older person in disrespect. Well, that's not the case today. You see a great deal. You had the same thing in Ephesians 6. You remember told children to obey your parents. Colossians uh, chapter 3, you're told to do the same thing. Very, very important to respect authority. And we have the problem. What about chapter 13? Not only should we respect the parents, what about chapter... 13. Notice in verse 13. The one who despises the word will be in debt to it, but the one who fears the command will be rewarded. How many have a disrespect for the word of God? In our society today, in our education today, are we being told not 
the word of God is for yesterday. It's not to be obeyed, not to be thought of. We had one that just got was let go here and, and talked about, you know, in education, how you don't listen to your parents, don't do this. It, that's not our place. And I, thought, I think it's important to recognize disrespect for parents, disrespect for the Word of God, disrespect for authority. But we all can get caught in that. For instance, where I work, I have hundreds of wells I have to check all the time. And so I'll get in, and my tools are in my truck. So you drive from one well to another well. I drive from one end of the parking lot to the other end of the parking lot. It's all the further I go. The speed limit's 15. You never even get going that fast, obviously. I'm not real. I'm supposed to wear a seatbelt. Clipped. Well, they saw me on camera, and I got called by security. Dan, you're not wearing your seatbelt. Send me the picture. All right. All right, okay. You're supposed to authority. You get in, you clip the seatbelt, you drive across the parking lot, unclip, get out, clip it, go to the next, you know, he, you know, but it, but is it a world? It is a world, and so it'll drive you nuts. But at the same time, some of you understand. Hey, if I'm going in out on the highway when I get out of the plant, I understand. When I'm going 15 feet, going 15, I don't even get 15 miles an hour. You know, but is it still a rule? Is it still authority? It still shows the heart condition? You still have to do it. So I think it's important for us to recognize. You have the same thing in 2 Timothy 3. If you remember, we were told in prophecy says in the latter days, disrespect will grow even greater. And obviously, we're closer than we were to Christ's return. And certainly could be any time, but we have respect, disrespect that's unbelievable today, wherever it is. So think about the pitfalls that you have What's your practice with regard to the Word of God? If it tells me to do something, is that just a suggestion or is it a command? Same thing with authority. I only obey the law, the rules I agree with, or do I obey all the rules? John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist Church, and why did they get the name Methodist? Seriously. From the Church of England? Nope. What's the methods? Because he set it up for methods of how to do things, all the methods he had. That's how they got their name, methods. Methodists. But he made this statement, I think it's a great statement. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, in all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Because there come a time when we can't. Physically we can't, mentally we can't, financially we can't. But help people when you can. Why you have an opportunity. 